we will put it in the key of C. And let's sing that song. Um, we'll give the glory before we uh, turn the service over here to our prayer requests. And uh, we'll go and do that here really quick. So we'll give the glory to Jesus and tell of His love. Oh, and tell of His love. We'll give the glory. here. If I could have uh, Brother Smith come and pray over these requests. Uh, we just want to uh, remember the McCafferty's who are away. Uh, they are not with us. They're traveling as well as the Harwells. Uh, Brother John and Sister Laura, they're not here. So we just want to remember them that the Lord will give them travel mercies. And also, uh, if we could just uh, remember Brother John Cockman, uh, who is not with us today. He's at home. So if we could just remember them. Uh, we also have uh, many unspoken prayer requests, I'm sure, so just by the raising of your hands. So if I could have uh, Smith come at this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another privilege that we have together, together to worship you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we come together as your people, Lord, to give you honor and praise and glory. We thank you for all your goodness and mercy to us, Father. We thank you for this day that we have, Lord, another day that you've given us, Lord, to worship you. And Heavenly Father, as we pray for these requests, Lord, that's been presented to us, Lord, we pray, Father, that you'll meet everyone. You heard each one, Lord, and you know each one, and you know how to provide, and we pray that you will, Lord. Bless those that's gathered together, Lord. You see every need that we have, every hand that was lifted to you, Lord, and we pray that you'll move and meet every need. Use our pastor this morning to speak to us the words that we need to hear, Lord, for you know each, one, each word that we need, Lord, and we're a needy people. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll watch over and take care of us through the rest of the day. Be in everything that's done or said. May it be for thy honor and for thy glory. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. We have a couple specials here. Uh, we have uh, Sister Kristen and Karen who have a special. So if they could go ahead and come at this time. By the way, I apologize. That is Brother Gibbs, not Brother Smith. So I apologize. You got to make a mistake every once in a while, I guess, just to keep yourself humble. So uh, if we could just have them come, though, at this time, and as they're coming, uh, let's sing that song, Living by Faith in C. So I'm living by faith in Jesus above. I'm trusting, confiding in His great love. Oh, and from all harm safe in sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and I feel no could have um, after they're finished brother Billy brother David Cochran just come right after they're done are you weary from the battle you're fighting does it seem like the storm just won't break? Is there a mountain in front of you that doubt says will never move? And you wonder, will God make a way? Well, tell me a time he's not been faithful. Tell me a morning his mercy Tell me a moment he wasn't able to carry you through. Tell me a day he was less than almighty when he could not roll back the tide. Child, when you look back, you're gonna find there was never a time. So be strong in the Lord and remember to take hold of faith and stand firm. You can be confident the Lord keeps his promises. If you doubt him, just read through his words. And tell me a time he's not been faithful. Tell me a morning his mercies were due. Tell me a moment he wasn't able to carry you through. Tell me a day he was less Almighty, when he could not roll back the tide, child, when you look back, you're gonna find there was never a time. He can work. 
Tell me of morning His mercies were new. Tell me of moments He wasn't able to carry you through. Tell me a day He was less than almighty. You know, sometimes it's easy to forget how blessed we really are and, you know, what all God has done for us. And uh, it's also, we're easily reminded of our mistakes and failures. You know, that's that, that battleground is in our mind and that's where Satan wants to attack us. And the Lord gave me this song. It's uh, been a while back. We put it on our, our last CD. Just kind of felt led to sing it this morning. And my family's out of town in uh, Louisiana, so I kind of. I'd come over here and sing for you this morning. God bless y'all, but I hope this is a blessing. The greatest battle ever fought is going on in the mind. Christians everywhere, Satan tries to remind, bringing up mistakes and the past they left behind. But when you're covered by the blood, there's nothing left to find. He forgot all that he forgave, sinful past has been erased. Took away all sin. Oh, and though it seems we fell him every day, we can honor him with praise, cause we are his redeemed. 
Aren't you glad he can't forget what he forgave? Well, he never gave me a reason to not believe in him. I'm not just a son of God, I have always been. There's no limitation on the blessings he can give from the praise of my lips. I will honor him. He forgot all that he forgave. Sinful past has been erased Like it's never been Oh, and though it seems You might fail him every day You can honor him with praise Cause you are his redeemed I'm so glad he can't forget what he forgave We should hold our hands up high and praise His holy name. Don't let the devil tell you now you're not born again. Jesus made a way to save you from the debt of sin, from the praise of your lips. Now you can honor Him, honor Him. He forgot. All that he forgave, simple past has been erased. He took away all sin. Oh, and though it seems you might fail him every day, you can honor him with praise, cause you're his redeem. I'm so glad he can't forget what he forgave. I'm so glad he can't forget what he forgave. Amen. Amen. If you would just stand with me at this time, we'll also have the ushers come forward. And if we could uh, just prepare to play that song, um, He's Got It All in Control, F. Tom, if you would, just pray over the tithes and offering. Amen. As Brother Barry comes this morning, let's just sing this. He's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. He puts that reassurance deep down in my soul. He's got it all in control. God's got it all in God. 
of the Lord. It's good for us to gather, Lord, in this place. Lord, when the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, they camped around the presence of God every day. And Lord, it's still a good thing for us to do, to camp around your presence, to be able to stand, Lord, and to be able to see you and to hear you and to know you. Father, we count ourselves to be a blessed people, Lord, to be in your presence today. Father, it's just a foretaste of glory divine when we shall be able to live this way forever. Have your way now, we pray, Lord, minister to every need. And there are always going to be needs, Lord, as long as we're in these bodies. We commit our innermost feelings to you, Lord, our concerns and our burdens, our loved ones, and those needs, Lord, that very seldom get spoken. We pray, dear God, that you administer to each one today through the hearing of the word. And as we approach this sacred part of the service, 
Forgive us, Lord, of anything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just want to say we love you and thank you for all you provide. And, Lord, just once more, come on the scene, I pray. Pour yourself out upon the word. And, Lord, I pray you'd enrich every soul. In Jesus Christ's lovely name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. God bless you all. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Good to have you all here today. And uh, Brother Billy, good to have you here. Uh, God bless you. Uh, appreciate you being here and uh, each and every one. Good to have the Paschals here today. And uh, each and, oh, good to have Brother Danny Florian here today. And uh, been a while, Brother Danny, but great to have you here. And may God bless you. Uh, it's also great to have Brother Bill uh, here today. May God bless you. And uh, have the Pritchards back, back there, and uh, each and every one. Brother Joe, God bless you. Good to have you here. And uh, we, we just appreciate each and every one of you. And I, I hope I haven't missed anybody. I probably will. Let me read you a little letter that I got this morning. This is from Brother Richard Smith. It's fine, musicians. You're welcome to take your places there. How many enjoyed the specials this morning? I tell you, I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the music this morning. Just wonderful. This is what Brother Smith wrote me this morning, and very often he'll give me a a little update before service because he wants to be sure that uh, we remember them in prayer, and uh, often I'll count on this email, and I know they're listening this morning. He said, uh, Sister Mary still has some pain at the base of her skull. Uh, It's a little bit different. Uh, She deals with uh, fibromyalgia, and the change of the seasons affects that. Uh, They still have that appointment for the nerve uh, procedure that uh, she is planning to have. And uh, that's a concern. So uh, he asked if we would continue to put their names on the prayer list. He said, we've not said it lately, but we really appreciate your preparation from the Lord and what uh, God has placed on your heart to deliver to us. He said, can you hear all the amens that are yelled at the computer? He said, we love you, precious brother, for all you're doing. And it brings tears to our eyes when we see all the Bibles and books and so forth going to people delivered uh, to people in their own language. He said, may God bless you richly is our prayer. We miss you, brother and sister Smith. So we appreciate brother and sister Smith, and we sure do miss them uh, for sure. I spoke this morning to Sister Danielle Swafford. Uh, She's driving with her husband back uh, from Florida, back uh, up here to North Carolina. And uh, as you know, her father suddenly passed away. Uh, They were not expecting that. And uh, she was helping her stepmom, who also uh, was in the hospital at the same time. Same week she was in the hospital, he passed away at home. Uh, She suffered two strokes and has some uh, capacity issues. And uh, she was certainly uh, quite busy this week trying to get everything uh, straightened out and settled and uh, I told her we would sure continue to pray for her over uh, over these days that lay ahead. When you lose somebody, it, it doesn't just go away overnight. Uh, you know, they leave a great hole in our heart. And so uh, we certainly want to remember Sister Danielle. Uh, I, I'm not sure whether Mitchell mentioned the shepherds this morning. Sister Sue is going through some uh, issues with uh, blood clotting. And uh, I don't know if that got mentioned this morning, but I think next week's their anniversary. Or it's soon, right? Dad's birthday, Brother Dennis's birthday. Okay, so they're going to be gathering together next week, I think, as a family. So uh, we certainly want to hold the, um, uh, the shepherds up in prayer. Uh, also wanted to mention, uh, Brother Caleb is not here. Brother Caleb Hummerver is not here, uh, and he's out in Texas 
uh, going to be out there for a little while. He's, he's able to work from home, so he's, he's shifted out there just for a little while. I told him we'd let him go temporarily uh, out to Texas to, to visit. He's got a sister out there, right, who he's staying with. And uh, so I uh, told Brother Caleb that we should be praying for him. Uh, Sister Faye, I didn't mean to miss you there. Good to have you this morning. Also, I, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. I should say, Sister Coffee, it's good to have you here today. So no one will know who it is. Uh, next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to have our communion service like we normally have one. So communion foot washing next Sunday. It'll be at 4 o'clock. We'll have our regular morning service, and we'll have a break. And then 4 o'clock, we're going to have our communion service. And after that, we're going to have a snack. All right? So that will be next Sunday. So you might want to remember that. So it'll be uh, two services, and uh, we'll have our communion service in the evening. So uh, all are welcome. Now, let me give you a little, uh, just a few uh, quick things here. October 12th uh, is the Walters anniversary, right? And it's also Sister Trish's birthday on the 12th. Is that correct? God bless you, Sister Trish. Uh, And also Brother Tom Ward's birthday, right? Brother Tom, are you up to telling us how old you are? 76. Wow, that's wonderful. How many appreciate Brother Tom? Uh, uh, we just <clears throat> When I met Brother Tom first, I said, you know what? There's a friend for life. I just knew that. And I knew his daughter would marry one of my sons. October 15th uh, is uh, Alora's birthday. She's not here? Gone. Stuck in Texas. Uh, well, wish her a happy birthday for me when you see her next. November 13th is our fall festival, and it'll be around 1 o'clock uh, in the afternoon. We'll give you more details. Save the date. Uh, that's going to be uh, just a fun afternoon for us. That's a Saturday afternoon. We'll be doing it here at the church, Lord willing, weather permitting. Now, let me take you to Malawi just real quickly. I wanted to show you some pictures, and I, I was receiving pictures right until I came out this morning. And uh, it was just a, a lot that's happening there, and I just wanted to uh, show you a couple of images. Uh, the, the country of Malawi is, is uh, long and, and narrow, and it's divided naturally into three sections, north, south, and central. And they have managed to take the, the half million books, they divided it into three groups, and they're giving it out in the southern region first, and then they're going to be moving up north. Uh, they, uh, the people there are just, uh, as I've mentioned to you before, the people are quite excited uh, about that. And this may seem like a small, insignificant nation over here in the, in the red, uh, but it is a nation that is very strategic when it comes to the message because uh, the, there's the, the countries round about all uh, travel and interact uh, through Malawi, and so it's a, a place where we're able to ship lots of things there and uh, be able to provide materials for lots of different countries. So it's really become an important place uh, for us. So this is just some of the pastors, and this is Brother Precious, uh, they, they rented a truck, they loaded it to the gills and brought it from village to village where these little churches are that uh, kind of had thought nobody remembered them, nobody knew where they were. And they receive a package like this that, uh, that they distribute among the, or their, their people there. And uh, they're all just excited to have that. You can see and you know, different sized churches by the number of boxes there. And uh, these people are, are pretty excited to have that. So for you people, you're pretty much spoiled. This is how they baptize in Malawi. 
and they dug a uh, they dug a trench and lined it with a bit of black plastic, and uh, that's how they're baptizing over there. But uh, they're really excited because uh, they're able to to do this, and they're able to give people the supplies that they need when they're uh, newly in the faith. And this is a group of people who were baptized over there and uh, got new books and new sermons, and so they're uh, they're pretty excited over there. So uh, we appreciate that uh, very much and everything that's given, everything that's done. Let's stand to our feet this morning and uh, let's take a look in the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 49. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 So we're exploring the reasons why we are the way we are. That's certainly going to take longer than an hour. But this is a a, a really pertinent topic for us, and I trust you'll see that as we begin to go along. Now, Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians 15 here about the world to come, the body to come, how that God uh, has laid things out for us uh, that will happen in the future. Let's pick it up from verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. This is an amazing insight, a summary that Paul has of all that God did. And so he's looking back and putting pieces together as, uh, as only Paul could. And the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are uh, they also that are earthy. And as the heavenly, such are, uh, are they also that are heavenly. If, if you're an earthly person and you're earthbound, you'll go back to the earth. But if you're not from the earth, rather you're from heaven. Guess what? You're going to go back to heaven one day. You're going to go to where you belong. You're going to go to where you came from. So your origin becomes your destiny. Your destiny is not determined by what you do. Your destiny is determined by your origin. That's a really important distinction for us. And 49 says, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, you look like mom and dad, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And may God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, I've got a lot of hay on my fork. I've got, I ran out of places to put markers in my Bible. I don't have it all on the screen, so I'm going to ask you to look at a couple of things here uh, with me. But if you don't mind, uh, let's, uh, let's just study this for a little bit here and get a couple of basic principles uh, under our belts so that we can move forward with this whole uh, concept of exploring uh, the reasons why we are the way we are. Because we are an unusual people. How many would agree? We're not that unusual on the outside. We kind of look normal uh, on the outside. Uh, But on the inside, or if people got to know us, if you took somebody from uh, straight out of the cosmos and just dropped them in here, they'd they'd look around and say, well, you know, these people are not that weird. Uh, But as they got to know us, they would realize... These people really believe differently. These people understand something that the world really doesn't seem to understand. Now, I remember first when we came into the faith and we were exposed to the uh, message of Brother Branham, we were uh, coming straight out of the Catholic Church and straight out of the world. 
uh, straight out of the drug world, the alcohol world, the, the world world, you know, the, like the dark world. We came out of that. We were in the dark web before there was a web, you know, in other words. Let me just say that. And we came out of that. And when we came into the message, we, uh, and we were exposed to the message of Brother Branham, we, we had no idea what a church would look like other than the Catholic Church because we'd never been to one. We'd actually never been to another a Protestant church. Uh, it was frowned upon, so we never knew. And we never knew whether these people who we were going to worship with for the first time wore capes and went to the graveyard halfway through the service. And I mean, we just, we never knew. It, it, was, it was all up in the air to us. Uh, we knew that these people were different, but, but that's really all that we knew. We knew also that Brother Branham's message was different. That's all we knew. Didn't know anything about uh, his background or anything like that. It, we, we just knew that somehow or another this, uh, this, this uh, voice that we heard and the message that we heard, it was certainly a different thing. Now, watch what Brother Branham says. Sometimes God's people are peculiar, and he said they were. They act peculiar to the carnal mind. But one time, come into the presence of that same angel of the burning bush, and you will act the same way. Because it's not another God, it's not another spirit. It's the same same God that met Moses at the burning bush, the same God that uh, will fill your heart and soul. And he says you'll have a peculiar lookout on things or a peculiar outlook on things. You'll say, I ought to have seen that before, I ought to have known that. But it's got to be a converted mind. It's got to be a converted mind. When it is a converted mind, you will see things differently than the rest of the world sees things, Right? I mean, you look at the, the whole idea of entertainment. Uh, you know, the world looks at entertainment a whole lot differently than we do. We can, we can, uh, you know, as, as, uh, last night, Saturday night, you know, the, uh, the bars fill up, the restaurants fill up, the nightclubs fill up, and, and, you know, in, in big cities, that's a, you know, that's a big thing, that's where a lot of them, uh, a lot of people congregate, and if you're gonna get out, you know, it'll be Friday night, Saturday night, and they'll get out, and they'll always have to have alcohol there. Uh, there are certain things that they always have to have there. If you go into a, a, a nightclub, they'll have, you know, a hundred TVs there and alcohol because you can't have uh, a, a social gathering without that. I remember one time a young uh, family came to our house and they were visiting. This was up in Ohio and they came to our house to visit and they were, uh, it was a, a music lesson, I think. And my wife was showing them around our house a little bit and this, this young fellow went in, he was about 10 years old and he went into our living room and uh, he looked around and he said, what do people do here? There's no TV here. Like, what, what do you have a room for if there's no TV in it? He couldn't figure that out. Uh, we, we look at entertainment quite differently, right? So our idea of entertainment would be like uh, to swing the, hall, the, the fellowship hall doors open and let everybody come last night and, and uh, you know, play some games and have some uh, fattening food. And, and, uh, and I even heard that my boys lost last night. I, I heard that. I hope it's not true. Okay. Lucas says it's not true. But if they did lose, it's because I wasn't there. And if you think that means I just threw the gauntlet down, you're absolutely right, buddy. You're right. It's on. 
But for us, entertainment, you know, I mean, fellowship and how we, we can get together and sing. We can light the fire and, you know, uh, roast a couple of things. And uh, we can get the men and the boys together and go out and have a camp out, father-son camp out. The girls can have a tea. They can, uh, you know, we can come together and, and we can fellowship together in a place and uh, sing and, and enjoy one another's company. We don't need to have alcohol. Isn't that right? Don't need to have a television set there. We don't need to have an entertainer there. Right? Don't need to have any of that stuff there because our outlook is different. And the reason our outlook is different because God has put something in us that makes us see everything a little bit different than the cosmos does. And that makes us a little bit odd. It's what we love. It's what we, it's what we do. It's who we are that makes us a little bit different. Brother Branham says it again over in the message, Who is Jesus? And he said he dealt with the lowest, most poorest of people when Jesus came on the earth. He was rejected by the highest of society and rejected by his own, the church that ought to have known him, but they didn't. They weren't trained in the word to know him. They weren't trained in the word to know him. Now, I, I would just like to say this, that uh, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a, you know, a, a convention kind of a preacher. It's never been my bent in life. Uh, but, I, but I will say this, that uh, when, I, when I bring something and, you know, when we get into something, I, I, I would like to say this, that I, I want to be, you to be sure that what I bring you is based upon the Word of God. It is founded in the Word of God. And I'm not bragging or anything. I'm just saying that that's the way I, uh, the way I approach it. I study different than a lot of people and the way I uh, look at it. And I, I think the way that God deals with me, it's a little bit, uh, little bit unusual. But I, I just love to have the meaning of the Word. I never, I never uh, uh, if I don't clearly understand it myself, I'm not going to stand here and try to bluff my way through it. Because you deserve better than that. That's honestly how I feel about it. I'd rather say nothing than to say something I'm not sure of. And so that's just the way that I, uh, the way that I approach it. And I, I take this very seriously. I love what I do and I take it very seriously. Uh, and, and my whole, uh, my whole bent or my whole desire, uh, is not really to be overly popular. I think I've successfully done that. Uh, and, and to be, uh, you know, somehow rich and famous. I think I've successfully handled that. But, my goal really and my passion is to see people trained in the word so that they can follow God wherever God goes. Whatever God says. And for us to be able to look in the scripture and have an understanding of what God really meant. And I think that's a really important thing. Jesus, Brother Branham says that, uh, you know, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the long-awaited uh, Messiah of God's people, after 4,000 years, stood right in their midst. And Jesus said, Ah, he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they testified me. You have, the, you have the scrolls, you have the words of Moses, you have the testimonies of Abraham and all the prophets, and you have me standing here and you can't make the connection. What's the problem? The problem was they weren't trained in the word. They were trained in their teaching, they were trained in their doctrine, they were trained in the uh, traditions of the church, but they were not trained in the word. And it, and it takes a spiritual people to kind of let go of what they used to know to know only what God wants them to know. Let me say it again. It takes a spiritual person to lay down what they, what they have always held on to, to know only what God wants to show them. It takes a spiritual person to do that. And I think God, you know, he deals with us and wants us to know those things so that, uh, you know, we can know him correctly and absolutely according to the scripture which he's given to us. Matter of fact, if you don't mind, take your Bible. Let's go to Mark chapter 5 just for a moment here. Uh, let's, let's just take a look at, at this in Mark chapter 5. And, and this is just a, an aside here. 
But it's a scripture that I love to, uh, love to use in, in, a, in an example like this. In Mark chapter 5, you know the story, even without turning to it. But if you have your Bible open, look at it with me here. This is when Jesus goes across the sea to Gadara. And the man is over there who's filled with demons. His name is Legion. And Jesus encounters him on the banks of, of the region of Gadara. And when he, uh, when he does the great miracle of casting these demons out of this man here, uh, we find in verse 15 that uh, the swine ran down over the hill. The people were afraid and they went to the town and they told everybody what happened. Not only have we lost our livelihood because the swine are gone, uh, but this man Jesus is out here and the man who was bound with chains, he's no longer a threat to us. He's, he's completely healed and uh, something, uh, something supernatural has taken place. And so they come out to see this scene. And in verse 15 it's described, and they come to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil. That's the man who was, who was possessed. And they see him. And, and he had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They see this man that was once possessed, and here he is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and they saw it and told him how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now, you know that story very well, but I just want to illustrate the fact that, uh, you know, there, there are two kinds of experiences that we can have. And one of them is this extraordinary supernatural one where the demons were cast out of this man. And, and that's, a, uh, that's, that's a pretty awesome thing. I mean, you know, if you, if you knew this man, you knew the story, and you knew the neighborhood, this is a place that you would not uh, wander by yourself. Nobody wandered in here by accident. This is a place to avoid because of this man. And so as a result, or if you wandered in there by accident, it would be your last time that you wandered in there by accident. And so this man has this supernatural experience with Jesus where these demons are cast out of him. And then the next verse says that when they came out to see him, here he is sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's dressed right. He's acting right. He's sitting there with Jesus. And when Jesus gets up to go, he wants to go with him. I want to stay with him. Wherever he goes, I'm going to go. And I just simply want to say this, that I believe a real encounter with God, a real experience with Jesus Christ will bring you to his feet like this man. So you can learn what you never knew beforehand. You need to have both of these experiences. You need to have an encounter with God. You need to have a meeting with Jesus Christ and nothing less than that's going to work. It's not just an intellectual learning facts and I pass the test and now I'm in the bride. That's not how it works. It's a birth, folks. It's a birth. It's a passing from death unto life. Somebody say amen. It's a real thing. It's a real experience with God. But a real experience with God will lead you to the place where you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And you know what? Wherever he goes, that's where I want to go. Wherever he is, wherever his presence is, that's where I want to be. I say this, that you can't have one without the other and we need both. You can't just have services where demons are cast out and everybody's free-floating ever ever after. That's not how God deals with the bride. But neither is it just lecturing where everybody just sits there and tries to stay awake and learn facts. I believe there has to be a dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit that takes that word and quickens that word in our hearts. But let me tell you, it's not just the emotion and the fire and, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. We need that. But it's not just that. But we need that. But it's not just that. We also need to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn. And part of our learning involves unlearning. We have to unlearn 
some of the old ways that we have. We have to unlearn some of the beliefs that we have. Brother Branham himself went through this. You remember when uh, he was in 1965 when he tells a story uh, of how that when he thought he died, he would be a cloud and he would just float around. He said, I thought, wow, that's too bad. I'd never be able to shake Brother Neville's hand again. And that's what he thought. That's what he believed. Even as a man, that's what he believed. Because his mother had told him. That's what he says. And my mother had always told me that. And he said, I believe that. Until the angel came and pointed out the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And he said, now if this earthly house of this habitation be dissolved, we have another one that's waiting in the heavens. And Brother Bram said, he pointed out that scripture to me. That's pretty good. And he pointed out that scripture to me. And he said, then I knew that we were not going to be just uh, a fluff or a powder puff. We were actually going to step into a body that God had prepared for us already. And so you have to let go of some of your ways in order to learn the right ways. And that's what God is always interested in doing. But I want to say this, that I believe that the process is accelerated in the last day. It's accelerated because of the scripture here, as we read last week in 1 John, or last week, 1 John chapter 3, uh, where he says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, we are that. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. There will be an acceleration of this whole process uh, in the last day because we will have a view that no other age has really had. We will see him in his fullness. Or, to put it in, in Revelation 10 language, the mystery of God should be finished. Are we okay? And in that day, with, with that view in mind, we shall be transformed by the renewing of our minds to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God because he will be closer and in view more than any other time in the last 2,000 years. Everybody with me say amen. amen. So therefore, I believe that's what this is about. And, you know, we are conditioned continually not to be conformed to this world. We're taught always not to be like the rest of the world. Uh, and it's also, i got to say, it's not an automatic process, right? I mean, if it was an automatic process, we certainly wouldn't need to waste our time on a sermon like this today. I mean, if you were automatically born, born again, separated from the world, didn't have any temptation, didn't have any trials, didn't have any uh, setbacks at all, uh, didn't have any opposition, well, you know what? We could go on and talk about uh, other things, right? But the problem is, is that we are faced with choices in life. So God teaches us. We are born without all the character we need. So we learn character by the things we suffer. We learn obedience by the things we suffer. We learn things as we go along. Because every one of us are capable of making mistakes. Every one of us are capable of making mistakes. Every one of us, even with good intentions, can send the wrong message. We can send the wrong message to our children. We can, sometimes ministers can send the wrong message to their churches. We are all guilty of missing the mark, if you like, even a little. And all of us, therefore, need to be taught and need to be, uh, in a sense, need to be reminded of the things that God word, God's word contains for us, right? All the imperfect people can say amen. Now, but here's the advantage now, and my point is not today to point out your flaws, okay, because, uh, you know, uh, the husbandman has got to be the partaker of the fruits first, so that would take too long. But let me just say this, that I, I, I really believe that this process of, uh, of 
development, if you like, or this process of molding sons and daughters of God for the next kingdom uh, is, is, is a process that's becoming more intense. I believe that God's dealing with us more personally now than he ever has before. And I also believe that uh, God is very interested in taking you to the other side into his kingdom without death so that you can live on this side like you're going to be on that side where you'll be just a step away. And God will take us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now, the value of this is, is found in this statement right here. Christ the mystery of God revealed. And Brother Bram is very careful now to say that the new birth uh, is Christ, is a revelation. And God has revealed to you this great mystery that's a new birth. Now, what are you going to do, he said, when you get all of this great group together where the revelation is perfectly in harmony? And God expressing it through his word by the same actions, same things that he did, making the word manifest. What are you going to do when you get all that group together? You get a bunch of believers together. And I will say this this morning. I don't believe that we should think in a limited way about what God could do among us here today if we all profess to be believers. Most of us profess to be believers. I think we should not set our sights too low. I think we should be prepared for whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do among us. Come on, folks, this is not just fulfilling an hour and punching your card until it's lunchtime and you get into the fish camp early. Uh, that's not what it's about. It, to me, it's about what God has to say. And, and, and here's Brother Branham saying, as we go along and the message spreads and the message goes out and finds the elect, what, what, what would it be like when that, when that group gets together? When that, when that group of the elect get together? Are they all going to be divided over different opinions and different uh, points of view? Or are they going to be able to come together and welcome the common one among us that can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I believe when we come here, it's a good thing for us to drop our uh, petty differences and to forgive one another and, and, and to have a, have a heart, you know, uh, heart after God, have a, have a desire to hear from God and to see God. And, and you parents ought to be praying, grandparents ought to be praying, God, just, just allow the Holy Spirit such freedom today that He can deal with my children and my grandchildren and just bring them to a place of real repentance and a life-changing experience with God. I would tell you that that ought to be our expectation. It ought to be our cry. That ought to be, uh, you know, with this group among us. And, you know, there are, there are needs among us. There are physical needs among us. There are uh, people who need an answer, need a touch, need a healing, need a deliverance. There are people who need uh, help going through different situations here. And some of you have got uh, bad news to the doctor. Some of you got, uh, you know, things that are laying out here and, you know, just wondering what's going to happen to this and what's going to happen here. And, you know, you look at the economy. They had a headline this morning on the, I didn't read the story, uh, because I don't want to read the story. But I saw the headline and said, we are at the peak of our earning uh, as, Ameri- as Americans. We are at the, the, the apex. We're at the top of it. So in other words, there's not going to be any more prosperity uh, cycle for us. It's going to go the other way. I mean, that was what the article indicated. Uh, the headline indicated I didn't read the article. You should be thankful I didn't read the article. You know, here's Brother Branham, and he says the world empire, he says every world empire will be broken down at the coming of that rock that's hewn out of the mountain. And he said the nations are broke and shot to pieces. 
That's what he says in the 1950s. He says every nation is at, is at that place. If, if we started to, uh, you know, to focus on that, uh, you know, it would kind of be pretty gloomy. But let's just say this. In the middle of that, here he is in 1963. He's saying as the message goes out over the upcoming years and it spreads and it, and it gets translated into every language on earth and the, and, the, and the people now become more acquainted with the fact that they are not just church members and they are not followers of William Branham for sure, uh, but they are members of the Bride of Jesus Christ. They are sons and daughters of the living God. And if you get that group together, the people that will not have to die in order to step into the, into the glorious kingdom uh, and live forever, if you get that group of people together, what should that service be like when you get all those folks together? And that's what he's asking here, perfectly in harmony. And God expressing himself through his words, same actions. Oh, he said, if the church only knew its position, and it will one day, then the rapture will go when it knows what it is. A lot of times we are defeated in our mind. As Brother Diggs said on Wednesday night, the battle uh, takes place in our minds when it comes to fears or comes to worries about things, comes to the unknown, comes to the uncertainties of life. You know, we, we, can, we can actually be defeated and you don't even go out of your house. Right? I mean, you can be sitting there in your own house and pondering on things and, uh, you know, you can entertain the wrong thoughts about things and you can be defeated right there without interacting with anybody. Because that's the kind of world that we live in. We live in, a, in this evil age, as Brother Branham described it. And Satan is the god of this evil age. Isn't that right? So whatever avenue he has, he's going to take advantage of that and step in and try to discourage you and try to confound you and try to hold you back. But Brother Branham said, when you get that group of people together, the, the, the great benefit or the great blessing will be to see a people that actually know its position. And to know my position means that I'm standing where I'm supposed to be standing. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm believing what I'm supposed to be believing. And I'm going when it's time to go. And you know what? There's not enough power to hold me back. I'll be there by God's grace. I'm going to make it. He's already said I would. This has not been determined by how well I preach or how well I don't. This is determined by what he thought of before the foundation of the world. That's how all of this is determined. It's that, let me tell you, we're not going to make it in by our conduct. We're not going to miss it by our conduct. You're not going to gain some sort of a, uh, a, an overnight entry. So here's Brother Branham, and he says it this way, the story about the eagle. You remember that? Uh, he said it many times. And right on the bottom there, he said that's the way every believer is. You weren't born for this world. You were created in the image of God to be a son of God, and you don't belong in this chicken yard out here. You're an eagle. Hey, guess what? The only one that was struggling in this whole story is that little eaglet who was in the barnyard. The chickens were not struggling about being a chicken. They were chickens. They were kind of happy being chickens. They like chicken food. They like, uh, you know, uh, all the things that chickens do, whatever it is, uh, get fat quickly. Uh, that, that's all that chickens do. And, and the mother knew that there was an egg out there somewhere. She knew she'd find it. It was that little eaglet that was struggling with this whole thing of identity and who am I and where should I be. I'm trying to be a good chicken, but it's not working. I don't really fit here. I don't belong here. No matter how hard I try, 12 steps on being a good chicken or barnyard life, you know, whatever magazine they're reading, it doesn't matter. There's no way that they could fit in. It's because he was not in the right position. But he's got to get in the right position and then he can realize, ha, this is what I was born for. A new birth will bring you to that same experience to realize, ha, this is what I was born for. I was born born to worship the true and living God. I was born to believe the Bible. I was born to walk in the light. 
I was born to rejoice over the things that the sons of God rejoiced over back before the foundation of the world. Now, as I mentioned last week here, the way we think logically from left to right, the way that we think logically is that when we look back and see uh, how things make sense, how things come together. When you realize Jesus is on the cross and he calls out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's quoting scripture that David had quoted a long time ago. And you realize, oh, okay, that's what David was. David was actually prophesying of Christ. And then you go back a step further to the first Exodus, and they're applying the blood back there. And then you go back to the Garden of Eden, you realize, ah, that's what all that was for. And we discover very often by looking back. However, God does it differently. God looks at it this way, where he, he does something or he expresses something, and it leads to something else that God already knows. God's not guessing what this is going to turn out like. God is not wondering where this is going. He's a God who, listen, he's a God who has ordained the journey. He's ordained the people who are supposed to be on that journey. And he's a sustainer of everybody who walks with him. Do you believe that? Now, watch, watch this. You're going to have to, you're going to have to stay with me here because this is really something. Romans 9, there's two scriptures that use the word purpose here, and I just wanted to bring this in. For the children not being yet born, Jacob and Isaac. Jacob Jacob and and Esau. (laughs) Jacob and Esau. They're not yet being born, neither having done good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth. Paul's giving us a very important lesson about election and representation here. And he says, these two were not yet born. So God does not choose them or judge them based on what they do. But rather, there is a purpose of God that's at work here, according to election. And he says, God called them because they were elected from before the foundation of the world. Are we okay with that? Right? So everything that happens to Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, everything that happens to them is because God has a purpose for them. And that purpose is a very strong thing. And it says that the purpose of God according to election might stand. And that word stand means, I got it in the little print there, it means that it will not become something else. So when God assures an outcome, it's not going to go another way. It's going to go the way that God intends. God has a picture of you, and he's going to bring you to that picture. Do you believe that? He took one of you before the foundation of the world when you were around 20, 21 years old, and you had hair, and you could hear things, you know, well. And he took a picture of you back there and captured that. And you know what he's doing today? He's bringing you to that image, and nothing else will do. Nothing's going to interrupt that. Not, it'll, you'll not become something else if you're ordained to become that. I think that's a wonderful thing. If you're, over, if you're over 40 years old, somebody ought to say amen. You're coming back to an image that God has already thought of way before you even stood here. That is the purpose of God according to election. is going to bring it to that and not something else. It is that image. And God is using all of the resources at his disposal to make sure that that happens. And I think that's a wonderfully comforting thing. Ephesians 1.11, he says the same thing, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. 
in whom also in Christ, in whom also we have obtained, past tense, we have obtained an inheritance. Guess what? We're not even, we're not even there yet, but in God's eyes, we've already obtained an inheritance. I said, we're not even there yet. And we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So in God's mind, it's as good as done. You've already obtained the inheritance. Your name is already called in the reading of the will. There's no doubt about whether you're going to get eternal life or enjoy eternal life because God has obtained that because that was his purpose in the first place and he's working everything according to the counsel of his own will. Everything. You may not think so. I'll tell you what, Brother Joe, God must have had something. I told you this when you came out of that coma, that God must have had something else for you because uh, there's nothing can interrupt that process. There's nothing that can stop that development. There's nothing that can shortchange that walk until God's finished with you on this earth. There is no power of hell. There's no demon. There's no darkness that's strong enough to take you out of here before your time. Because God's going to accomplish exactly what he has in mind for you. That's his purpose. But as I looked at this, this this word purpose here, which is central to what we're talking about this morning, I I clicked on the definition and it just threw me for a loop. Go through the loop with me for a minute. The word purpose means to set something forth, which makes sense. You place it in view. Or the showbread. Okay. And this is the definition. I'm not adding anything here. Twelve loaves of wheat bread, corresponding to the number of the tribes of Israel, Israel, which loaves were offered to God every Sabbath and separated into two rows or two piles, lay for seven days upon a table placed in the sanctuary or front of the portion of the tabernacle and afterwards at the temple. Uh, Hello. Anybody want to make a run at that? We're talking about the purpose of God, right? We're talking about this. Being predestinated according to the 12 loaves of bread. Who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And here's, here's Paul using this word, purpose, which refers to the setting forth of the showbread in the tabernacle. Huh. Well, I, I'm like you. I said nothing. I, I just I wanted to see how this this was going to work. Now follow me here, if you don't mind. Follow me in the scripture. It came to pass that as they went through the corn, cornfields on the Sabbath day, his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do you do this on the Sabbath day, which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he had need and was hungered and they that were with him. How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat of the showbread, that's the 12 stacked loaves of bread, which is not lawful to eat but for the priests, and gave them also to them which were with him. I read the story this morning. You'll find it in 1 Samuel chapter 20. It's one of my markers there. You'll find a story where uh, David's on his way and uh, the high priest says, well, this, we, we don't have any common bread. That's the word they use. We don't have any common bread. But we have this showbread over here. And David said, well, that's all right. He said, we'll take that. And the guy says, well, uh, you know, there's, this, is, this is bread that's set aside. David said, it's okay. 
and, and he had need of it, and he, they gave him the bread, and he gave it to his men, and off they went. Now, I, I, I'll guarantee you this. The Pharisees never expected that. They never, they never thought Jesus was going to come back with that. Because here they are going through the field, and they're eating on the, on the Sabbath day. Because you know what? There's no law against eating on the Sabbath day, right? But what they had, you know, in the eyes of the Pharisees, they hadn't fulfilled all the letter of the law and pre-cooking everything and having it uh, frozen and, and uh, microwaved and so forth for, for the Sabbath day. So they're just going through. And, and, and the Bible says that, like Jesus refers to it here, have you not read what David did when he had need? David had a need. And God is... God is as Jesus goes on and he describes in the, in the first part of Mark chapter 3, he says that the Lord is, is the Lord of the harvest. And the harvest is for the good of the people. The harvest is for the good of the sower, right? In other words, when the harvest comes, that's a supply. And, and it's a supply to people that have need on their journey. And so when David on his journey came to this place and had no other food, he would either have died or fainted because of, we, of hunger or you know, carried on on the journey with some food. And if it was ordained of him to carry on on the journey, he needed to have food. And here was the bread. And so the high priest gave it to him. And David was not struck dead by lightning when he walked outside of the, of the temple there, having eaten the bread. So it was not an offense to God. And Jesus brings this up to these Pharisees here and says, you have an interpretation of the Sabbath and of your legal ways. You have an interpretation of the word of God that's really legalistic. And you know what? You've missed the point because you've really, you've really failed to understand who the Lord of the harvest really is. And that's what he goes on and teaches them in the next chapter in Mark chapter 3. Because here was David on the journey, and he had need of food. And you know what? The Lord of the harvest is a supplier. Stay with me. The Lord of the harvest is a supplier to those people who are on the journey. That's, that's what he explains to them. And so, <laughs> let's look at the scripture that describes it here. This is the Leviticus chapter 24, and you can read it later in your Bible if you like, but... It, it describes here how that they were to take the, the, the fine flour, make it with oil, and make 12 cakes thereof. Set it on two rows or two piles, put frankincense on it, and it'll be, a, look what it says in 7. Now she'll put frankincense upon each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And every Sabbath shall he set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. In other words, this is, we want you to make sure that the shoe bread's around because bread is the, is the food of the, of the person who's on the journey. So we want you to have this bread forever. It's going to be a reminder of the covenant. It's going to be there. And it shall be Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place as representatives of the body. So everybody in the, in the camp of Israel didn't eat it, but Aaron and his sons ate it as representatives of the people of Israel. For it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. So this bread then became a symbol of what the children of Israel would take with them when they journeyed. That was the idea. That was the idea that God wanted to convey. So it looked like this. It looked like two piles of bread 
when Jesus comes along in Matthew, or sorry, John chapter 6, he starts talking about bread. And he said, I am that bread of life. And as the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father. And he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not the natural. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. But he that eateth of this bread. What bread is he talking about? He that eateth what I give. He shall live forever. On your journey, listen to me, on your journey, God's got a, <laughs> he's got a people prepared to go from that file cabinet where your picture was taken from before the foundation of the world. Everybody with me say amen. amen. God's ordained, according to election, God's ordained a people to go from here to here. And nothing's going to stop that process. And God's going to supply them with everything they have need of along the journey. How are you going to get from here to there in life? How are you going to get there unless, unless you're able to eat of that bread? What sustains us in the journey? What sustains us? It's not natural bread. It's not natural church dinners. They're going to kill you. Church dinners will kill you. That's not it. But it's the bread that we get. It's the manna that God gives. Come on, say amen. It's the food that God drops down every service, every service, every time you open your Bible. He's got something good for you there, and it sustains you in the journey. And you feel like quitting, and then there's a good meal there, and you I keep going a little bit farther, a little bit farther, a little bit farther. He that eateth of me, he said, shall live forever. And when they went into the tabernacle, listen, when they went into the tabernacle, That bread was stacked up in six and six. It was laid there on purpose. It was intentional for God to have a symbol of what's going to keep you going in the journey. He wanted it to be there perpetually as a symbol of the covenant that he made with the children of Israel. He wanted it to stand as as the way that God was going to feed the children of Israel all the days of their life. Come back now to the original scripture. For the children, Jacob and Esau, not yet being born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. God has everything laid out. God has everything stacked. God has everything prepared. Everything you have need of for the journey is right there. That's the purpose of God. It's just like the showbread back in the temple. It was a sign that God ordains the people who are going to be on the journey. He ordains the path, and he ordains the way you're going to be sustained on that path until you get all the way to the very end. Let me say it again. Listen to me. God's ordained who's going to be on the journey. Who's supposed to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb? All right, let's put it that way. Who's supposed to be there? Who's supposed to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Well, God's elected certain people to be on that journey. Isn't that right? And God knows the way to get there. We don't know the way to get there, but God knows the way to get there. And God knows how to feed you along the way. And God knows how to take care of your enemies along the way. That's the purpose of God. That's the design of God. He knows exactly how to drop bread into your pathway. He knows exactly how to sustain you. He knows exactly how to feed you. He knows exactly how to strengthen you when you run out of strength. This is not depending on you with enough strength to make it to the end of the road. This is God ordaining. This is God's purpose to get you there. This is God's will. This is God's heart to get you there. This is not you wanting to get there or me wanting to get you there or mom and dad wanting to get you there. It's God with a higher power wanting to get you there. And nothing's going to change that outcome. 
That's what purpose is. It's God's visible way of saying, I got your back. I got your front. I got your stomach. I got your revelation. I got everything you have need of for the journey. I got it. I'm with you. I'll be with you even in you until the end of the road. And he that eateth of this bread, let me tell you, this is not natural stuff. Because it doesn't depend on how healthy you are, you know, how much essential oil you have or whatever else. Let me tell you, those things are all good. God forbid I'd say anything negative about that. I need four tires to get home. I don't want them slashed. But I will tell you this. God's got bread the world knows nothing about. God's got food. You know what? We're enjoying food that the world really knows nothing about. Because a lot of people might listen. They don't understand. I'll tell you something. Just as an example here, and I'm going to explain this to you more more in detail later on. But when I was over in Ukraine, uh, I was asking the brothers over there about some things that had taken place uh, with a court case against uh, Voice of God and uh, some different things that had taken place in Russia over there in St. Petersburg. And I went to the Supreme Court of Russia. Uh, which is where you don't want to go when you have a case. Because when you get to the Supreme Court of Russia, the case is already long decided. It, uh, you're, already, you're already considered guilty uh, or innocent by virtue of their way of doing things. So <clears throat> there was a group of brothers who were in, uh, uh, out in Siberia. And uh, Novokuznetsk, where Peter and I were one time, and we were out there, and the brothers were sitting in a cafe, and they were testifying about some of the things that God had done recently. And it was a miracle that had taken place in their church, and somebody was miraculously healed, had been sick for a long time, and been miraculously healed. And they were just rejoicing about that, and they were talking about that in the cafe. And one of the brothers was Victor Fukin, and he's a, uh, I may have told you before, but he's a, uh, was an ex-con. As a matter of fact, most of the people in that church are ex-cons. And uh, rugged, rough fella. And so he talked loud, you know, it's just the way he was. And um, uh, I mean, you'd, you'd, I'll show you a picture one day of Brother Victor. But anyway, they were in the cafe and they were talking about praise God, slava bogo. And they talk about, you know, the different things that God has done. And then another brother comes along and he says, well, in our church, God did this. And they're, in, they're, they're chatting about, there's a guy over here at another table. He's close enough within range, but he's a, he's a believer in witchcraft. And he's listening over here. And he's grieved at what they're saying. He doesn't understand what they're saying. He doesn't agree with what they're saying. And he's, he's quite upset with that. He happens to be related to the mayor of that town. As he listens to that, uh, he gets up and he tries to stop the brothers from talking like that. And, you know, they kind of ignore him. They just went on and, and uh, finished their thing and left. And so this guy, he must have taken a picture with his phone, I believe is how, how it happened. But he goes to the mayor, his friend, and he starts telling him about this. He said, we should put a stop to that. So they, they, they had the pictures of these brothers and they went to visit them and, and they streamed their services. They listened to him talking online. And they were testifying of the same things that they were talking about in the cafe. Well, the mayor says, well, we've got to take this to a higher authority. And they do. They go on to, in, in Russia, it's all divided into regions and sectors and so forth. So they went up, he went up the chain. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, they, they uh, warned the people to stop preaching and using this uh, name, William Branham, and so forth. Well, the brothers kept going. And finally, it went to the Supreme Court. That's where it finally wound up. In the Supreme Court, they determined that 23 sermons of Brother Branham were now considered to be seditious material, material that would incite insurrection. So in other words, the state doesn't believe what this man is saying, so therefore you can't say it among the people in Russia. You can go to another country, but you can't use that in Russia here. So they had 23 sermons. By the way, all of them were in 1965. 
And these brothers were not allowed to quote, use, distribute, or play in any way anything related to those 23 sermons. When they did, because you have to know Brother Victor to know this, when they did, these guys show up at the door again at the end of church. And they said, we heard you make these statements. And they had a printout as they were streaming. They were listening to what was being said. And they put it on the table and they said, we heard you quote out of these uh, particular sermons. We're going to give you one more uh, warning because now this is against the law. And you're not allowed to quote this anymore. It's over. It's done. And so there are churches they know because other brothers have now encountered the same kind of surveillance. There are churches over there that are forbidden specifically from quoting from those 23 sermons. And you know what it is? We have a language. We have a story. We have a testimony that the world doesn't understand. And you know what? When Satan gets his hands on something like that, he's going to use it to the nth degree. He's going to try to extract from your hands the very thing that contains rapturing faith because he knows that's how he's going to stop you. He's not going to stop you by shutting the church. He's not going to stop you by uh, some sort of intimidation. But let me tell you, when you take rapturing faith away, and hey, isn't it true? Rapturing faith lays on those tapes. It lays on those sermons there, especially in the latter times when Brother Bram's honing in on the doctrine and the uh, important biblical teachings there. Uh, Look, come on, let's be realistic. We're not far away from that in any country of the world. We're really not far away from that at all. Realistically, we're not. Thankfully, we live in America, and there's still a lot of freedoms here, even more than Canada and places like that. But uh, you can see, uh, you know, if if, if the devil's doing that, and we know that he's doing that in certain places there, um, I'll tell you what, it'd be a good uh, word of advice for me to say to you, you need to get it from the paper to your heart quickly. Get it from, get it from uh, coming from the pastor. Get it c- coming from your own heart because that's where the devil can't take it from you. When it's a part of you, he can't steal it from you. When you got a revelation, nobody can take that away. When you, when you got, a, uh, when you got a, a vision of the truth, when you got a real understanding of the truth, nobody can take that away from you. And, and I would tell you that's why the message is not just about learning data, learning more material, learning new doctrine that's not in any other church. That's not what it's about. It's Christ himself uniting with you and eventually becoming so overwhelming that it will actually cause your body to drop and you'll step into the one that God ordained for you. But God knows what we have need of along the way. He's a sustainer. He's not only one who ordains and one who predestinates, but he's a sustainer along the way. And this purpose of him who worketh all things after his will, that's exactly what God is trying to do. He's trying to let us know, like he says right here, now notice this manna when it fell, God sending it down to do what? To provide life for the children of Israel in their journey. In their journey, God provided for them. And you know what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. <clears throat> now, let me go a little further and just bring you the quote I never brought you last week, and I told you all of this is based on this statement here. Listen to what he says now. God thought of me. I was thought of before the foundation of the world. My name is put on the Lamb's Book of Life, and so was yours before there was even a grain of sand. God thought of me. He saw me. How many knows that God put your name on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world? In 
other words, if you really believe that, then in God's thinking, we were born right then into his kingdom. Understand the graphic. God's not looking back to figure, wow, you know what? He made a good move there and a good move there, and he made the right decision there, and he made the right choice there. I'm going to take him. That's not the way that God does it. God thought of you back here and knew you would make the right choices and knew where you'd wind up, knew that you'd get from A to B to C, and you thought you were stumbling around, you thought you were making mistakes, and you thought you wound up in the wrong place. I'll tell you what, God, know, God knew exactly every step you were going to take. God, God ordained certain things. God, God allows things to happen in your life, right? Are you with me? He's not, he's not wondering how it's going to come out. He knows how it's going to come out. It's God's purpose to make it come out a certain way. And you know what? And if that's true, then in God's thinking, you're born right then into his kingdom. Before you were even born, you were born then into the kingdom of God. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. One day, there came a body through a holy wedlock, my father and mother. That's the natural part we read in 1 Corinthians 15. And they sired me, and here I come, William Branham, represented in the body of flesh. Now, you know me as William Branham, a man. But God knew me as William Branham, a thought in his own mind, an expression. You know me as a man. Now, I, I know Lucas here as a son. I know him as a son. I never knew him before, but I, you know, when he was born and I knew him, and I thought, oh, surely, honey, we can do better than that. Not really. We know each other as human beings as we contact the physical. That's what we depend on. When we interact with the physical, that's how we know somebody. Brother Bram's kind of helping us see things another way. He's helping us to see things as God sees them. God didn't need me to stand here in a body to know me. God doesn't need me in my carcass to know me. He knew me long before that. He knew me long before I was sired into the earth. And in his mind, it's as good as done. If that's true, if that's true, let God take you on the journey to where you belong. If that's true, don't fear about what the future holds. If that's true, what have we got to worry about? In God's eyes, back here, it's as good as done. Hey, I'm born into the kingdom. I'm a part of the bride of Christ. I'm, I got my place at the wedding supper. In God's eyes, it's already done. If that's true, why, why would we worry about whether we're going to make it or whether we're not? You know what? He's, he's got our back. He's got our front. He's got our side. He's got over the head. He's got below your feet. He's got, he's got everything you have need of for the journey. Somebody say amen. God's got it, folks. You might know me as Barry Coffee. I'll tell you what, you, you, you don't know me like God knows me. You don't know me like my father knows me. My father knew me even before I stood here, before mom and dad got together and met uh, up in Canada. Uh, God knew me, God knew me all the way and he knew me all the way even after mom and dad are gone and after all these things that happened and God knows exactly where I'm going to wind up and I have every confidence that if God has ordained that from way back there, nothing is going to change the outcome and God's got everything I have need of for that journey. 
And I'm in the process of learning that. I'm in the process of coming to the place where, as Brother Branham said in Christ the Mystery, that if we only knew our position, he said, then the rapture will go. My position is anywhere I am in the perfect will of God. Are you with me? I believe my place today is in the pulpit. And I believe that's my position. I believe that's my job. That's where I'm supposed to be. I, I believe no matter where you are, Brother Bill out there on the highway is there making a, a living for his family. Uh, it might, that might seem quite different than my job right here. But you know what? If that's what God's ordained for him, if that's the perfect will of God for him, he's standing in this position. That's exactly where he needs to be. But you know what? We were not put here just to drive trucks and just to hold services. We're not put here uh, just to be moms and dads and clean up the messes continually. We're not here just for that. We are here serving the purpose of Almighty God. We are here because the mind of God has expressed something about you and it's going to fulfill His will. Not your will, but His will. And God's going to make it all come to pass. And we should not fear that it, that it won't. Or that somehow or another the government has the power to stop us. And I'm not, I'm not talking about insurrection here, marching against City Hall. I'm just saying that God knows exactly what He's doing and God has, God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for mine. And it's going to reflect the person of Christ, that's for sure. Now, I've got to introduce this to you because I, I, want, to, I want to go from here. And I'm, uh, just stay with me now for a moment. All of this kind of brings up two things that we want to deal with. What happens when the enemy attacks a believer and makes it hard for them to respond like sons of God? Respond in faith. Because the enemy, I mean, the enemy is vicious. The enemy is relentless. The enemy doesn't quit because he showed up here at service today and said, oh, wow, Brother Barry finally got it and said it. Now I might as well go somewhere else. I might as well go to the Lutherans, go up the road to the Lutherans here. That's not how it works. I'll tell you how it works. God didn't intend you to be sick. God made you in his likeness. He wants you to be well. He's done everything he can to keep you well, but Satan's against you. How many can relate to that? Sometimes you've done all you could to stay well. Sometimes you've done everything you possibly could to be as healthy as you can. All that essential oil and all those vitamins and everything else. My boys told me, they said, when you die, they said, we want to buy mineral rights on the property that you're buried in. Because I take vitamins. So they're casting lots over that six feet of soil. They want it. But you know, no matter... No matter how well you look after yourself, I mean, Satan is right there to afflict you. He messes up your sleep. He messes up your thoughts. He messes up your ligaments and joints, right? Here's me and Brother David over here. We're trading uh, prosthetic devices, you know. I told David, I got a pain here. He says, I had that once. I got something you might need here. So he gives me that. I I took something here you might want, David. So we're trading stuff back and forth all the time. It's like folks in the old folks' home, you know. My wheelchair is faster than your wheelchair. (laughs) Listen, you can be a good guy, but bad stuff can happen to you. Not only that, but he messes up the healthcare system around us. Why do some people get sick and some people don't? Why do some people have a tendency to this and some, some tendency for that? My mother had pancreatic cancer. She wasn't a smoker. And, uh, Doctor looked at her, 
She had some funny pains. and My mother was not a woman that had pains. Uh, she had four sons, but, uh, three sons, but uh, a daughter, but they were the problem, not me. But she, she all of a sudden had a funny feeling and a pain. She went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at her and said, Miss Coffey, he said, I'm sad to tell you, he says, but you have pancreatic cancer. It's in an advanced stage. You only have two months to live. No treatment. Sent her home. She died in two months, two days after that. Good person, probably none better. But Satan's against you. He's against, he's against your health. He's against your mind. He's against your peace. He works overtime in your thought process. Right? I was going to say he even works in social media, but I shouldn't say that, I guess. He's against you in every way he possibly can. We're talking about good people, though. But then there's also the situation when a person refuses to agree with the word of the hour. What happens to that person? So in other words, when you come to a believer in the message or somebody who professes to believe the message, and you come, and these are are two questions now that we kind of need to ask here as we close. Because all of us know what it means to be attacked. And all of us probably know how Satan will sometimes put things, thoughts in there and, and alternatives in there or debate in there, even if it's in your own mind and it's never expressed. But sometimes he can sow doubt there or attempt to sow doubt so that somebody would do something contrary to the word of the hour. What, is that per, what kind of resource does that person have? I'm going to leave you with a statement here. And I think it's a great one for us to end on here. Where Brother Branham says in the communion service in 62, he says, I believe it's the coming in of the issue of God, the great revelations of the word open during this time. He said, this is, something's happening now. It's different than what's been happening. This is now the opening of the word, third pope. We're moving into that. Look at the date. It's 62. He's coming into the seals and all the rest of it here. I believe it's, it's there's something issuing in here, something stepping up, or there's something becoming clearer that hasn't been clear like it is now. And it has to do with the mysteries that are in the word, and it's all going to come open to us. And he said, I'll tell you, if God ever sends his power to the church, it'll be your dedication. It'll be your obedience. If God ever sends his power to the church, it'll be his grace. It won't be the obedience of the people. Isaiah 40, cry to Jerusalem that her warfare is over. Yet guilty of idolatry, Brother Bram says, is his comment on that, but it was God's grace that was sending it. God sends anything to us, it'll be his grace, not our merits. Let's stand to our feet. Whatever we receive at his hand, it'll be because of his grace. Not because we got it all figured out, not because we got it all right. It'll be his grace that does it. God ever sends us rapturing power. God ever sends us, uh, you know, what, what we have need of to allow our bodies to be lifted off the earth here. Let me tell you, it'll not be because we, we've done such a great job. It'll be because of his grace. Aren't you glad for his grace today? It won't be the obedience of the people. Because we are people who, you know, we can easily identify with both those cat- categories that I put there. You know, what if I'm doing the right thing and bad things happen? 
you know, what if I, what if I've, you know, attempted to do the right all the time? Like Job, you know, you're living, living a life that's, you know, in my eyes, it might not be perfect, but I'm trying to live as close as I can to the cross. And yet I'm dealing with this. I, you know, I got this, this issue here. I think it's good for us to know that no matter how good you live, you still have an enemy. And it may not be you at all. It might be your enemy that's causing you to, uh, to, to have the problems that you're having. But he turns it around and makes you think, well, there's probably something wrong in your life or there's something wrong that you've done. And he makes you feel guilty and he makes you feel bad. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've felt bad because I felt bad. Anybody here ever feel that way? You know, you feel bad. And then all of a sudden, wow, I shouldn't be feeling bad. I'm supposed to be happy. I'm a believer. I'm supposed to feel, and you feel bad because you feel bad. But then there's other times you come to the place where you're faced with something hard. There are difficult choices and difficult things in life. Or you've got to give up something. Or you've got to let go of something. And now you're faced with this. It, it seems like everywhere you go, somebody's saying something about what you need to do. I've been in that situation a lot where you, you know, you're praying about something and, you know, and it genuinely may be something you don't want to let go because it's something you might actually enjoy. But yet you're hearing it everywhere. You're seeing it everywhere. And it's really the grace of God that's just beckoning you to obey and to walk in obedience to his word. Every one of us can relate to both sides of that column there on that, that screen. Well, I'll tell you what, if we're made in the image of God, if Jesus was the expression of God, didn't he come to the Garden of Gethsemane and say, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass over me. Because you know what? I know what this is going to entail. And if there's any cup that could pass over, let this one pass over. But then he came to the place where he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You want to go there? You want to go there? You want to stand and say, whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever you need to do, Lord. Brother Bram said, when you say that, God will take you at his word. You need to be careful about that one. Don't say it unless you're really ready. Don't say it unless you're ready to go all the way with him through the garden. But that's that's what we call life. It's where we are. But that's why we act the way we do. Because we're not here to please the world. We're not here to obtain the accolades of the world. We're not here to try to be perfect people or impress somebody. We live entirely to please the Father. Right? We live here to please Him. Our worship should be affected by that. Our, how we spend our money should be affected by that. How, how often we come to church should be affected by that. Right? What we wear should be affected by that. How we treat our spouse <laughs> should be affected by that. Right? Every, everything that happens in life should be Governed by that one principle that, you know what? There's an audience of one, but that one really matters. And that's Christ. So everything I do, I want to do in a way that pleases him. Wow. So you may know me as a man, Brother Branham said, but God knows me as somebody from way back here. And I have confidence that even despite my mistakes and my weaknesses and my shortcomings, he's going to see me through. He's got everything I have need of along the way. He's got it. He's got it under his control. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Be 
your eyes just singing now sing this verse again now in my life make it your prayer this morning say lord jesus my life not everybody else lord look at me oh be glorified yes be glorified in my life lord Sing it one more time now. Oh, Lord Jesus, in my life, Lord. Dear Lord, be glorified. Be glorified in my life. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. Take my here. I stand, Lord, my life is in your hands. myself away 
Yes, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Yes, I give myself away so you can use me. Take my heart. Take my myself away away so so you can use me give myself away yes I give myself away so Life is not my own, to you I belong. I give myself, give myself to you. My life is not my own, Lord, to you I belong. Oh, I give myself away. Yes, I give myself away so you can use me. So. provides in the journey, doesn't he? You think for a minute just about somebody like Jonah, right? Jonah thinks, well, okay, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get on the ship. God didn't have to come up with a fish. God had prepared a fish. Because somehow or another, he knew we were going to get there. <laughs> didn't shock God. What do we do now? He had a fish already prepared, scooped Joan up, spits him out on the shore. Much more dramatic than coming off the gangplank of a ship. Everybody did that. Not everybody survived a ride in a, in a big fish, though, like that. Don't tell me God doesn't know what he's doing. And don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. Hey, he saved you for the last. You're the finish line people. You live in a world that's falling apart, and you're here talking about being part of a kingdom world doesn't understand us. They're going to understand you less as you go on. They're going to understand you a whole lot less as you go on. But you know what? I'll give you a little hint. I'm not depending on me to get me there. I'm depending on him. I'm depending on The more I go along, the thing I got to know is my position. 
Brother Bram said, then the rapture will go. I don't need to understand how it's all going to work, and I don't need to understand when it's going to work, and I don't understand what God's going to do with this guy and that preacher over there. I, all i got to do is find my position. Brother Bram said, when the church knows his position, then the rapture will go. <laughs> I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. He purchased me. And I'm all his. Bought with a price. The blood of Jesus. I'm not my it again, but I'm going to make it. He's already said I, I would. I'm going to make it. I, I'm just saying what he said. He said, none of them will be lost. None of them will be lost. Nobody sings this better than Sister Kristen here, but we're just going to rob the chorus here and sing it together. Sing it out now from your heart. I'm going to make it. Well, I want you to leave here today uh, uh, confessing that, that I'm going to make it. Let that be your confession. Let that be the thing you leave with today. I, I, God's already said it. You know what? In the same way that God already said things about me back here before I stood here, He didn't need my body here to make decisions about me. He made them way back there before. And in God's eyes, it's already a done deal. Well, if that's true, I'm going to make it. And there ain't going to be no power that's going to hold me back. He walks beside me. And heaven is in my view. That's, that's more real to us in this last day than any other age. Sing it now. I'm going to I believe that with all my heart. So he, he walks beside me. And heaven is in my Sounds so good. Sounds like you really mean it this morning. Oh, I'm gonna 
sing that one more time. We're going to pray for Brother Troy this morning. He's got some heart issues that have been checked on and got to go for uh, some evaluations and we're going to pray for him this morning. Let's sing it again. Anybody else has a need this morning? Uh, Brother Aaron, why don't you come on and, and pray and uh, with me and give me, let's have our deacons come on up here and let's pray with Brother Troy. Just commit him into God's hands. Let's do that together. But David, come on up here. We'll make seven men. We'll join our hearts together. Let's sing it again. I'm gonna make it. He's already said that I will. Oh, and I'll keep on. He's working everything for my good. He walks beside me.
Thank you, Lord. today, Lord, not just fulfilling the hour and going through the motions, Lord, but I believe you're, you're dealing with our hearts, Lord, in a very deep way. I believe, Lord, that you are working in every life, young and old, assuring us that the shoe bread is there for us. And Lord, we can partake of it in the journey. And Lord, like you didn't condemn David, you didn't condemn us. Lord, even in our mistakes we make and everything else. Father, may we just continually feed upon the manna that you give to us. We depend upon it, Lord Jesus. We are faint without it. I ask, oh God, that you would just sustain each one, Lord, in this trying time that we live in. Be our guide. Be our shining light. Be our North Star. Be everything, Lord, that we have need of, I pray. Because, Lord, this is not our purpose. This is your purpose. This is not just our desire. Lord, it's your desire, even in a greater way. You've been thinking about us a lot longer than we've been thinking about you. And so, Lord, we just commend our ways confidently into your hands now. We thank you, Lord, for the people. And, Lord, for those that are listening, and we pray that you would minister to them and their needs, Lord. You know all about them. Deal with us, Lord, as an assembly. Deal with us as a people. Deal with our hearts individually. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. We need you, Lord, one more time. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right.
Draw me close. 